0: Are we okay forcing people to do things they don't want to do?
1: It's the founding ideas that make our country great. Caesar was garbage, and so are today's bureaucrats.
0: You're listening to Self-Evident and Forgotten. Here are your hosts. Stanton, Christie, and Cody. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Self-Evident and Forgotten. This is your deep dive for February 2022. I am Stanton Skurajanik, and with me is the gunslinger Goliath, Cody Wisniewski. How you doing, Cody? Didn't Goliath lose? Uh, that's fake news. <laughs> David, there's no cha- <laughs> there's no chance that David wins with just, just a slingshot. There's no way. Goliath was so much bigger, so much more powerful.
1: I'm not sure I want to be Goliath in this <laughs> scenario.
0: <laughs> uh, gunslinger, good guy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, hello, my friend, how are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? I'm missing Christy. She's such a busy woman. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, well, I know what I know exactly what's going on. What's going on is she's trying to win elections against, uh, you know, some 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 more or less tyrannical individuals. So I can't blame her for doing actual stuff while we're just complaining. Yet another uh,
1: benefit of being libertarian. You don't really have to worry about elections.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's true. Well, we've got uh, ourselves a deep dive here today. Uh, by the way, y'all, I'm in a little different location. I'm actually in my apartment, so you might hear my uh, my, my bulldog Arma. She's right next to me. You might hear her snore. You might hear doors open, whatnot. So, you know, just pretend we're, that we're in your, you know, we're in your living room. It's Cody and I just chatting while you're trying to you know, do actual productive stuff. Um, Cody, before we get into our deep dive, I got my random question of, of the episode for you. All right. What is the worst condiment ever? Oh.
1: Worst. All right. Unpopular opinion because, you know, I'm not full of these. Oh, sure. Of course not. Um, ketchup. Oh. I I cannot stand ketchup. And it's not necessarily the worst of all possible comment, uh, condiments. But because it's so beloved and pervasive, it's worse because I have to encounter it on everything.
0: Oh, that's sad.
1: So when you I was a little what? kid, I used to love ketchup. <laughs> To the point where like, I'd go to McDonald's, apparently, this is the story that's been told to me. We'd go to McDonald's and I'd dip a French fry in ketchup and I would just suck the ketchup off and then re-dip the French fry to the point where like my parents had to make me eat the French fry eventually because it would get nasty. And I Ew. would just like, con- yeah. So I don't know if I just like ketchuped myself out or something as a young kid, but
0: <laughs> it's a okay. no-go for me now. I mean, I was going to go with something more like horseradish, but you know, ketchup I love is the- horseradish. I can't stand horseradish.
1: Oh, and a good prime rib, little little horse
0: Oh, I mean, prime rib is also my least favorite form of meat. So, what? That's wait, objectively wait. Th- wrong. Th- wait, we're we're talking about like we're talking like a prime rib steak. We're talking about prime rib sandwich. Either. Oh, I love prime rib steak. Prime rib sandwich, I couldn't care less. But it's the but. <laughs> Hi Arma. <laughs> it's it's
1: the same thing, isn't it? Isn't it just like the meat on bread?
0: I mean i guess but Knox, come on now that's the other dog that's the oh. dog. um i mean at the end of the day yeah it is the same meat but i just don't like it in the form of a sandwich i don't i just i don't know why all right we're talking, I mean, we're talking about like the slices of prime rib in a sandwich right yeah we're talking, i'm not it's not my favorite all right i mean it's oh. definitely not the worst though no 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 it's not the worst i think the worst form would probably be something like you know I don't know. What's the canned meat that they had rationed in like the forties? Spam. Yeah, spam. That would probably be the worst. Oh, I love spam. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> you didn't, you sir, did not grow up poor enough. That's the problem. You, you did know not what? Fall in love with
0: spam like I did. You know what? I was not economically deprived enough like you were. You certainly have more virtue and experience than I do, sir. <laughs> There is a special place in my heart for a fried spam sandwich, I'll tell you that. You and my father-in-law, good heavens. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get on with our our deep dive today, and we are going to focus on something. So we did initially have the intention to talk about the Russia-Ukraine crisis. As Kuna and I were preparing, we kind of came to the realization that things were unfolding so quickly that the situation was so fluid that there'd be no way to actually do a deep dive responsibly at the end of the day what would have to happen we would just we'd have to give you a history of russia and then we're like okay let's go to the soviet era well let's go to the russian empire era, and then we're like how far back do we go to talk about the history of russia and eastern europe and we just kind of realized we're just gonna let we're gonna see what happens we're gonna see if a war breaks out in europe and then we'll do an analysis of what happened uh But, no, at the end of the day, all you need to know is that uh, Russia wants Eastern Europe and Western Europe and the United States don't want Russia to have it. And that's the conflict. So that's the the deepest dive we're going to do until things unfold to a more stable situation. Um, Instead, we're going to talk about something that is a little bit, um, not a little bit, it's a huge difference between the Russia-Ukraine crisis. We're going to be talking about the truckers in Canada. If you haven't heard, uh, a very large contingent of truckers, so like like semi-truck drivers in Canada, along the border with the United States, have parked their rigs uh, to prevent transportation uh, across key bridges and roads that are critical to trade and travel for both American and Canadian citizens and businesses. Their goal is ultimately to force the government to alter the, the requirement that every trucker uh, be vaccinated against COVID-19. Recently, in fact, like uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, uh, activated for the very first time in Canadian history, the Emergencies Act, which essentially, in this scenario, enables the police to more easily arrest, fine, and uh, suspend licenses for those who are protesting along the border. Now this can include confiscation of personal property that's also on the table um, and we're seeing you no know, I and mean, we're seeing the seizure of of their weapons um, that you know they, that truckers usually have for self defense cuz no trucking can be a dangerous profession um, and when it comes to activating this power the government officials trudeau included have repeatedly been saying these illegal protests must end. We're not here to suspend your lawful right to protest. We're here to end illegal and criminal activity, which got Cody and I thinking: What the hell is a uh, uh, is a legal protest, and is that different from the idea of a legitimate protest? So this is what we want to look at because we what we we're all about ideas. We're all about the principles of liberty, of life, of property. And we want to get to the heart of what exactly is a legitimate and illegitimate type of protest, and does that differ from a lawful and unlawful protest? So, uh, Cody, I'll just kind of let you start. What's um, what's going on?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it has been weird to see. So for those of you that don't know already, um, I lived in canada for 10 years and uh, a little bit over four of those were spent in ottawa where i went to university and so the uh the roadways that you're seeing on the news these are the places where i hung out in my formative years um uh, rito street which is right next to the mall is that main road where parliament is on the uh, Chateau Laurier is on and everything runs right there so Ooh la la
0: you can speak french uh, un petit peu. Um,
1: <laughs> and so it's really weird to see this place that like i spent a lot of my formative years um embroiled in this crisis and so you know i we used to make fun, I, I think I tweeted out something about this, but we used to kind of like laugh about protests in Ottawa. Like they were very uncommon. You didn't see much. I remember there was a story. I don't even think it happened. I don't know if it happened when I was there that um, Greenpeace managed to make it on top of the parliamentary buildings and drop a sign on in front of it that said like Greenpeace on it or something to some message that they had. And that had to be like the biggest thing in, in in Ottawa history, right? Yeah. Also, could you imagine somebody in the United States making it on top of the Senate building?
0: No, like they'd be shot. <laughs> there's no way.
1: And so you can just walk right up. It's no. And I mean, in the Capitol too, right? You can walk up to the kind of close to the to the House and the Senate um, in Canada. You can go and hang out on the lawn in front of Parliament. Like it's not that uncommon to do. The biggest protests that would occur every year in Canada or in Ottawa at least was on 420 before weed was legalized in Canada. Thousands of people would go to the grass in front of parliament on Parliament Hill and would get high and would just smoke on the grass in front of parliament. And <laughs> Ottawa literally spent more money paying for a yeah. They spent more money paying for a media blackout. Than they ever did trying to stop people. No, no one was ever arrested. It was what? never stopped. We knew you knew it was happening every year. People wow. would just walk over. It was a whole thing. And they would literally just pay, allegedly pay media outlets just to not cover it. And so you don't see it in the news anywhere. Ask anybody that lived in Ottawa for any period of
0: time, and you'll know. So that's so the, so the government. So the government is known to you no. Know, ah, we don't want people to really know about this. That's too funny.
1: Yeah i that i am not i would not be surprised if, like the sole reason that trudeau is trying to like or is pulling out this emergency act is just because the world is watching and he's just well, frustrated he, that people know it's happening
0: president biden had a phone call with trudeau like two days before he activated the emergency act and i'm i would can't imagine what that call was like but i my idea would be biden going listen i'm trying to av- you know avoid war in ukraine And I can't get goods across our mutual border. Fix this or else. And I think Trudeau went with the, he also did that. He basically said leave or else as his solution.
1: Yeah, Trudeau's idea of fixing it is like, oh, I'll just declare these people like essentially national security threats and terrorists.
0: Oh, so we're going to get a little tangent here, but under their criminal and terrorism finance laws the truckers don't fit under that and what had been happening is that a bunch of um people had been sending these uh truckers a uh, money through crowdsourcing platforms first it was like um, um gofundme and then that got reverted and they went through with a different route people were sending bitcoin and the canadian government was all you know good
1: good gofundme didn't didn't just get like ri- GoFundMe said, no, these people are uh, it's an occupation. Oh yeah, occupation protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore, we're going to seize 10 million Mm dollars. And then GoFundMe has a list of approved charities. And so if for some reason there's a GoFundMe and they can't get the money to the the intended recipient because they have to confirm the intended recipients and they can't get the money back, they have a list of pre-approved charities that go. So if you don't
0: ask for your refund, GoFundMe will just keep it and give it to someone else.
1: Yeah. So GoFundMe came out as like, oh, well, these truckers are an occupation, not a protest. So we're going to just give all this money to one of our pre-approved charities Yeah. And so now allegedly after the just media backlash or the the customer backlash, now GoFundMe is at least allegedly processing refunds. But here's a fun fact. Do you want to guess what other kind of pseudo protest occupation used GoFundMe in the past two years?
0: Oh, no, I couldn't possibly imagine. Cody, what? Do you remember Chaz and Chop? Is that the uh, Portland... Yeah, yeah. You know, that that a- whole that whole thing where people literally, not just blocked roads, but literally quarantined an entire sector of a city and said this is now independent territory, and the police did little until at the very last minute. Yo, yeah, 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 We're gonna yeah. get into that, code. Don't worry. Don't you worry your heart. We're gonna talk <laughs> about this. So We're that, gonna that was talk
1: literally a, a declared occupation, and GoFundMe allowed a fundraiser for them to occur. So.
0: Oh no, we're yeah. we're we're going to get into the hop hop Kirstie. Don't you okay, worry. Don't so you worry, your pretty little heart. I apologize. All, all I want to say, yeah, all I want to say, is that Canada, using the Emergencies Act, is including these truck drivers to be to fall under the Terrorism Finance Act. That they are basically equating truckers just sitting there blocking the roadway with terrorists. Um, and now, and now they're using it as the impetus. Oh, oh well, we got to expand the definition of terrorism now. And this just goes back to what you know, someone like Ron Paul would say way back in two thousand and three. As soon as you define terrorism outside of this country, you give the government the power to define terrorism inside the country. And now it's going to start including people who aren't remotely terrorist-like. Yeah. Um, but- so some interesting things about the War Powers Act.
1: Or, sorry, yes. the Emergencies Act. The reason I slipped is because so the Emergencies Act replaced what used to be called the War Powers Act, right? And so it was this idea to like broaden it because there's not just necessarily, you know, first of all, like, I, I mean, I know that we give like the prime minister in Canada or the president here like spe- special war powers. We talked about that a little bit. The minute you start giving government emergency powers, is when emergencies start to occur. I'm using air quotes here, people. And government just takes
0: the power. I mean, that's the whole reason we have the checks on the system. But, anyways, like literally, people, if you've ever seen any of the Star Wars movies from the prequel era, <laughs> one, two, or three, this is how you get Emperor Palpatine. This is how you get Tyranny in the Galaxy, guys.
1: Literally. I am the Senate. Hey, there you go. You need a little <laughs> bit more gravel,
0: but we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, so the Emergencies Act, I think, is like 1988 or something like that, when it replaced it. And so Trudeau is the first Prime Minister to ever evoke the Emergencies Act. It de- it covers a couple different categories um, of emergencies. It can cover uh, public welfare emergencies, public order emergencies, international emergencies, or war emergencies. Those are the, kind of like the four categories. Now, this one Trudeau declared as a public order emergency. A public order emergency is defined as an emergency that rises arises from threats to the security of Canada, and that is so serious as to be a national emergency. So that is what we're, we're working under here. And so there are like specific like dates and declarations and stuff, but the, the powers are so broad. I mean, the idea that like, so one of the problems that they were having is that all of these truckers, right? They're in big rigs, they're in semis, uh, tractor trailers, whatever
0: you want to call them. And you can't just and, move them, right? You got to, you got to have a specialized uh, 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 tow truck to get these exactly. things out there. And so the
1: Canadian government went to the, these tow truck companies that had the capabilities, and the tow truck companies, like, not a chance. We're not towing these guys. And there's some debate over whether that was like pure solidarity with them, or also of they depend on the trucking industry and they did not want to piss mm-hmm. off the people that they depend on. Yep. But under the Emergencies Act, the Canadian government you don't you don't get to say no. The Canadian government forces you to do it. They're required to pay you a just compensation because otherwise it would be literal slavery. Yeah. It, I mean it still essentially is. I mean they're still forcing you to do something against your will
0: in furtherance I mean, of a cost. It it opens up the ability for um Canadian authorities to basically commandeer those the the tow trucks themselves use them and then hand them back like so it the 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 point that we want to just kind of share with everyone is that what started as a quote-unquote fringe minority of protesters has become such a colossal headache for the government in Canada that they had to exercise one of their broadest and most severe pieces of legislation, their statutes, to end it, right? And and the, what we want to get across is they are essentially looking at this protest, not as a protest, but as an occupation, an illegal occupation. And this brings up a lot of questions. Protesting one's government is a longstanding... Uh, uh, Right of anyone in a free society. Our Constitution's First Amendment, which includes you know, the right to religion, free exercise of speech, includes the right to assemble and to petition your government for grievances. In fact, protesting one's government is considered such a valid and necessary aspect of preserving liberty in a, you know, a, a, a free society. That it's even in the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, not just an American right. This is of the United Nations in the 1940s, considered a human right, universal. Um, so if it's such an important piece of, of of civic activity, you got to ask, is there such a thing as an invalid or inappropriate or improper form of protest? Um and, you know, in the, in the United States, it's easy for Americans to think just of the First Amendment. And the First Amendment is important for 350 million people. And the First Amendment forms the foundation of a lot of other uh, speech protections across the world. But we're not talking about the First Amendment. We're talking about Canada. So what I want everyone to... <laughs> That's such
1: a sad sentence. I
0: know. I know. So what, what I want everyone out there listening... I want you to put away the First Amendment. I want you to put away American laws. I want, you, I want you to put away Canadian laws. I want you to think about just the baseline idea. Can you protest your government as a, as, a, as a right, as something that you're born with? Do you have a right to protest your government? And when does that right, if ever, end? That's what I wanna talk about today because that's what's really matters. This is what's gonna u- uh, unite the ideas between Canadians and Americans, regardless of what laws we have.
1: And, and and so this is the thing, right? Regardless of of the structure that you have between US, the structural differences you have between the United States and Canada, or even, I don't know, pick a random uh, Senegal, right? Random African country. Um your government is supposed to act on behest of the people now obviously there are plenty of governments around the world that don't operate that way right they operate under dictatorial authority instead of at the power of the people but at its key form a the proper a proper form of government is representative of the people and derives its power from those
0: people right consent of the government the thing we all learned from our american history class Right. So this is a basic tenet. So if that is true, if governments should
1: derive their power from the people and be representative of the people, even if you think that government, it's government's duty to, let's say, it's government's duty to protect uh, more than we might say stand, then that still means that they are your direct representatives in a sense. And so you must have the ability to. Petition for redress. There's a reason why it's put that way in the First Amendment. It's addressed obviously in the Declaration of Independence, the United States as well. But there is a reason why it's it's worded that way. And the point is, they are your representatives. They are empowered by you, and thus you have the right to tell them you are doing something incorrect. You are violating something that I hold dear. So you have you have that inherent right. It's not a so this is what we'll get confused. So we talked about natural rights a lot. This is not a natural right because governments are unnatural, right there
0: it's a this is gonna get real weird. so <laughs> let, let's let's just put it this way, right? Governments exist because society creates governments, but your rights to life, liberty, property, those natural rights that we talked about way back in uh in our earlier episodes. Life, liberty, property exists before government ever exists. So by definition, the right to protest your government cannot be something you're born with. However, by the mere creation of government, you have the right to. So it's not a natural right, but it's an inherent right to a government's
1: existence. Yeah. And so, in, and so if you brought this all the way down, like let's call it down to the tribal level, right? And you have a group of people and... I don't know, six people of 20 say that they get the claim to all the kills of the entire tribe and that they're going to decide how to divvy it up. Right. You would obviously be even. And if you're a hunter, you would obviously understand that you have the ability or you should have the ability to protect your property rights in that scenario. Right. You have a property interest in that food. And so that's exactly what this is just blown up onto a massive scale. Right. Right. You have you have rights that you have the ability to protect and you can petition the government. So, So you always, I would say, have the right to protest, to petition for redress through certain channels. I think questions start to come up when you start to figure out what those channels are.
0: I mean, Helen, you can even just say that your basic right to liberty allows you to say whatever you want, which includes saying the government sucks and they should change it, right? So you can even go that route. But to your point, when we talk about protesting, we're talking about trying to change government. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, there are really only two ways to change government behavior. There are only two that I have ever known. Uh, two and a half. We'll call. We'll go two and a half. The first way, um, which most people haven't accepted today, is through election, right? Through some form of legal behavior that changes those in positions of power. Okay, that's using election. Might be an impeachment, right? But at the end of the day, there's some vote that happens. The other way is you kill him, you get someone else you you use force you use <laughs> violence to change government right this is what this is what a literal revolution or a coup d'etat is all about using force to change government the the two the second that the other halfway the third way is you know if you have a monarchy the king dies his son or daughter becomes the the king or queen and i have a new government okay but that's that's a that's just force later on in life um so but the point being is elections democracy or violence and revolution okay that's the only way and usually violence and revolution um comes about when elections don't work anymore right that's usually what happens in in my opinion
1: i i think that yeah you get the cycle back to that i mean i feel like for I mean, a long time in a lot of places, violence was just the, violence the norm. was the
0: norm. Sure. And elections I mean,
1: they, kind of replaced it,
0: but. Ro- Robert, uh, Robert Heinlein in his uh, book, Starship Troopers, which is, by the way, nothing like the movie. Uh, he basically said that violence has solved more problems and resolved more disagreements than anything else in history. But in the modern day, we have invented this idea or rediscovered this idea of democracy to solve Transitions problems. of power precisely right so when we say when democracy fails revolution occurs right i mean that's that's kind of what happened with with our revolution we we tried uh, the the early form of democracy and trying to petition parliament trying to petition the king like hey we're trying to use our peaceable mentality mm-hmm. when that didn't work and we we declared open arms against the british government people forget that part a lot I yeah, feel like I people
1: feel like we just like jumped into revolution because we were mad. I... We spent like five,
0: 10 years trying to get oh, the British government to, uh, yeah, but we, we, we went through the whole rig I mean, it was 1775 and, you know, when we were still petitioning the, the British government to stop doing what it was doing, it wasn't until a year later that we finally said, all right, we're done, we're at war. So, but then that brings up a question. We've talked about this before. One man's revolutionary is another man's rebel and terrorist. And so, what I think in this situation specifically, I think we're in a kind of an interesting scenario. We're obviously not seeing violence, right? No one's getting no, you know, the truckers aren't up in arms. They're not killing anyone. They're not blowing up government buildings. They're not doing anything inherently violent. So they can't be a revolutionary. They're not. They're not trying to do a coup d'état here, Um, but. The question then is: Are they truly peaceable? Are they truly the other way? Because after all, Coda, they are preventing me from being able to use the roads. I can't. I don't have a choice in the roads. The government has monopolized the roads. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> so that they are impeding on my freedom. This seems to be this, this seems to be in between violence and peace. Talk to me here. What's going on?
1: Whoever would have thought that private roads would solve this problem.
0: <laughs> oh my God, what a novel
1: concept. So so I'm going to give a little bit of a background because this is also a, a a little bit of a harder scenario being in Canada than it is for people in the United States to understand. And then I'm going to draw kind of a line and see where we can play with that line maybe. And so one thing to remember is that Ottawa is the capital of Canada, right? So it's it's our Washington, D.C., but here's where it's really different. Ottawa is just a city in Ontario. It is like Denver in Colorado. It is, well, maybe not Denver, but it's like, I'm from San Diego. It's like San Diego in California. It is just a city. It just happens to be where the seat of the entirety of the country's government is and all of the embassies and that But they only own the federal government only owns a certain like small swaths of property in Canada that include like the parliamentary buildings, the prime minister's house um, and and some things like that. So Parliament
0: doesn't get to control Ottawa like Congress gets control, D.C. Exactly. And so it's a little bit of a different scenario,
1: right? Like, whereas for us, the federal government isn't there's no provincial they don't have to worry about a state government to enforce rules and regs in D.C. I mean, they have to deal with the mayor of D.C. because they've kind of allowed that scenario to happen. But the 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 I mean, the capital of Ontario is Toronto, right? It's in southern Ontario. It's well away from Ottawa. So that poses some different questions, right? Because the federal government doesn't really necessarily have a say directly over Rideau Street, which is what leads to the the uh, the uh, parliamentary buildings, what they're off of. And so um, it's a little bit of a dif- different scenario. And so it it does kind of cause some questions. there. something to think about as you're thinking about like, why is it using this this broad power instead of a general police power? Because they don't necessarily have a general police power as soon as you cross the gates. But uh, here's where I think we could probably safely draw a line stand. And, and I think you'll agree with me on this. So it is not a valid form of protest to destroy private property absolutely i mean exactly. i i'd
0: be i, I I'd, I'd consider that absolutely
1: okay i would also say it's not a valid form of protest to occupy public property or private property sorry
0: private property private yeah. property I will give. I mean, until you get to war, right, when things are kind of different, I'm 100 percent behind you in in a normal non-revolutionary protest, because that's really what a revolution is. It's a really extreme protest in a peaceable protest, damaging or occupying private property is off the table. One hundred percent agree. So in any instances where these protesters
1: are violating in other individuals, private property rights, that's where you start to have problems, I would Mm -hmm. argue. I, you can, if you cannot occupy public property, let's call it public property.
0: So that's, that's what a road property. is.
1: That's what a road or even courthouse steps, the front yeah, of the yeah. parliament building, right? This yeah. outside in Washington, DC, if you cannot occupy public property, you cannot protest. There are only two kinds yeah. of property.
0: Yeah, no, There's I, I only private or public. Yeah. And, and if you're not, and if, and if we're already saying that it's illicit, it's Ill, immoral, unjust to do some something to someone else's private property, then it only leaves you with one option. So
1: this is where you get into the interesting scenario though. Like, would they be better? Is it, would it be appropriate for them to occupy Parliament Hill, which is this grassy area outside of Parliament that doesn't really serve any purpose other than sitting out on a nice summer day? Mm-hmm. That would, I mean, I don't think anybody would flinch at that. No. But as soon as they start obstructing your ability to freely move about the city,
0: that's when, is what, where are we then? Right? Are we. This is the, this is, this is. Damn it, Cody, we're libertarians and here we are talking about roads again. Um, (laughs) I mean, this is the, it's in between, right? I'm not impeding upon or sorry, I'm not damaging, I'm not restricting someone's private property while sitting on a road. However, at the end of the day, because people have to use roads and the only roads that are available are government public roads, they don't really have a choice. If if I'm in their way, I'm impeding their free movement, which is a roundabout way of saying I'm impeding on their liberty, Maybe. Kind of, but I don't know that you have a
1: right to say that it's my right to be able to use X road, right? Like that's when you start getting into these like squishy businesses, because like, I mean, they're publicly owned, I suppose. So then you start going, well, I have a a partial share, but they're for a, a particularized purpose. And also it's not a protest if it doesn't make things inconvenient.
0: And this is something that I think is really, really important for people to remember. There, it does one no good. It, it does Martin Luther King Jr. no good to wait for the parade licensure from Selma, Alabama. It does him no good to wait for that permit three months later. It does not all the world and the good it does. It, it fulfills his purpose of crossing that bridge without government approval and making things as tough as possible for the government. That's what a protest does. That's the oh,
1: purpose of civil disobedience. Yeah, so a slight analogy. It's, it's not a perfect one, but just to try and draw a little <laughs> bit of a scenario. So we're all familiar with the story of Rosa Parks, right? Mm-hmm. So she boarded a city bus, so public property, yep. and sat in a bus seat that was publicly owned there yep. that she was not allowed to sit in. So was it the, did the white people in Montgomery have the right to tell Rosa Parks that she didn't get to sit there? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's this question of this at that time, right? They considered I, it to be I, an improper use of public property.
0: I, so I see your point. I'm also kind of hesitant to to go with that because that was, that was a result of deliberate discrimination. The Canadian government is, is not discriminating here. They're saying no one can use the road because you're on it. So we're going to remove you specifically, not you because you're this or you're that. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I, there, there's no direct, I mean, there might be a direct an, an analogy to this that I'm not familiar with or I'm not like, I can't think of
0: off the top of my head, but. Well, I, I can. You, you mentioned it earlier it's that whole concept about uh uh, what happened in seattle oh oh yeah yeah i mean i guess that's a good good scenario let's let's so so Cody, why don't you give us a little history first before we get into that that we were just all reminded about what happened a couple years ago in seattle all right so there was portland and seattle Mm -hmm. uh there were two different instances
1: there was Chaz and chop and it's very muddy throughout i don't have the whole timeline down but essentially here's what happened is that a group of protesters during the uh, post george floyd protests and then thus riots that stemmed from those occupied a section of city blocks in the city in portland and basically declared that it was a It was no longer part of Portland and that it was unaffiliated, and that they were going to live out their perfect anarchist ways and have their own society on these city blocks. Problem was, well, some people supported that, some people opposed that, I suppose, Uh, but there was also private property that was implicated. So there were stores and store owners that were within these areas that had their private property affected. And it, uh, it quickly devolved (laughs) into no longer being a safe place for people to be. Uh, Basically, it was like a perfect experiment. Like, I mean, the worst side of humanity, because as soon as they declared independence within like, what is it like within like three or four weeks, they had like
0: their own basic like warlord and they were it was it was the perfect example of what happens when you let Lord of the Flies rule. It's anarcho socialism, yeah, anarcho socialism, which is just an insane, an insane form of anarchy. But the people trying to film,
1: they would like just mob violence to like stop what, people from like taking pictures and filming, and
0: yeah, it was a mess. But
1: what being yeah, for
0: weeks, right. for weeks, the police essentially did nothing. Yeah, correct Th- that. Not only was the public property being overwhelmed, but so was private property. Um, And while, obviously, Canada and Portland are different countries with different laws and different cultures, uh, Canada and the United States are not so different. They're not so uh, different in their culture and their ways of thinking that it makes one wonder, what the hell is really the difference? Obviously, there's a huge difference. There's a massive difference. But why would you be so concerned about these truckers and not with Portland? So I think two big things to focus
1: on are one, violence. And two, well, I guess there's three things, right? So there's violence, there's this perceived idea of the authority to control. And kind of part of that, the third thing would be movement. And so the big thing that you got in Chaz Chop that you that I'm not seeing with the truckers. And I should say I have friends in Ottawa. Um, I still know people, I've heard some stories there. I've got friends that are think like us. I've got more conservative friends, I've got more liberal friends. Um, and so I've heard some stories. But first is is violence, right? So it was pretty clear in Chaz Chop within weeks that it devolved into like a very violent place and a very unsafe place for people to be um, outsiders at least and so that's a problem right those individuals that are protesting don't have the right to hurt other people or to you know intimidate with threats of violence other people so that's a big problem yeah I, i'm not seeing a whole ton of that in what's going on in canada at least that not that's being reported there were some stories coming out. I should specify. I've heard um, there was an issue with a food bank where some protesters went and like tried to raid a food bank and steal their food. Obviously, a bad thing, right? And so I don't know that you can paint, just like you can't paint all, um, you know, George Floyd protesters with the riots that occurred. You can't paint all, you know, trucking trucker protesters with people that are raiding a food bank. So any time that there's this violence or this Threat of violence that's where you start falling outside of legitimate forms of protest potentially. Uh, The other idea is that jazz chop they declared independence from their state and from the country. And. On I don't know that you could do that when you're on and in a public setting. So if you're like six blocks downtown, you can't really say, like, this is my country now. Like that's not really how that works. At least the people that are like in their private property and like the oh, It of sounds nowhere. like you're
0: against succession. Sounds like you're no, 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 against.
1: No. Oh, no, you're, not, you're well, not again. There's a difference between like declaring six blocks downtown is like, this is my six blocks now. That's just kind of like that's dictator and warlordy. Whereas like if you have private property out in the middle of nowhere and you're like, no, man, this is my place. I'm going to do what I want. This is my right. That is you. Trying to exercise your your rights.
0: That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. There's differences right
1: there. You don't have a better claim to those six blocks than any other person down there. You have a lot better claim to your private property than any other person out there. That's the difference.
0: So, so, so let's let's try to get to get to the heart here because I really want to really, really, really drill into this. If I am a trucker, can I park? my truck on a government bridge that connects two major portions of the United States and Canada, can I park it there with hundreds, maybe even thousands of others who are doing the same thing, clog up the roadways, prevent travel, prevent commerce by private individuals? Can I do that as a way of protesting my government, assuming I'm not on any private property, I'm not delivery damaging property, and I am sitting in my truck? Can I do that? Yeah. Legitimately. Uh, yeah. No, no hesitation that, that I, that because I, so now I can't see, you know, my dear, I don't know, Mima on Canada. I can't go visit her now because these trucks are in my way. I can't uh, transport essential uh, goods and services across the border. Like there's, there's no. There's no room for government to remove the truckers. Oh, didn't say that. Oh,
1: uh, let's. Okay, okay. So there is a long and storied tradition of civil disobedience, right? It, this idea that sometimes people will do things that violate the law in order to advocate for the change in the law. Now, I'm not advocating for anybody to break the law. I am a licensed attorney and would never tell anybody to break the law.
0: I am to break the law if it's unjust. Go for it, kids.
1: (laughs) Uh, But that's, I mean, there's there's something in that, right? And so unjust laws are unjust. And when they are enforced in an unjust manner, that deserves protest. Um, That doesn't mean that government isn't going to come and Tow the trucks away. That doesn't mean that the government isn't going to go in and clear the bridge. That doesn't mean that the government isn't going to declare this an emergency or an emergency that requires them to invoke emergency powers. Mm -hmm.
0: But boy, does that raise attention to unjust laws. Yeah, and 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 this is something that 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 you have to kind of understand is if you have a government, you are accepting the fact that the government will use powers to maintain public order, right? That that's I mean. After you know securing your rights, the the whole purpose of the government is literally to keep the peace and and keep you know commerce flowing. That's the, the spice will flow. That is its job, right? That that's the whole shtick. And so, if you have government, this is what to expect. Now, the question is, when is it appropriate for government to pull the trigger, figuratively, and perhaps even? Literally, when is it appropriate for the government to pull the trigger and remove you? Um, And what should we do about it? So and this is the thing, right? So
1: the civil rights movement in the United States, for example, they broke the law all the time. Intentionally, they knew what they were doing. Rosa Parks, for example, I'll circle back just because everybody knows that story. It's just a convenient,
0: it's an easy story because people understand it. I mean, you can even take MLK's letter from Birmingham jail. That's the whole thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Rosa Parks broke the law.
1: It was an offensive, racist, unjust law. And she broke it to show that it was an offensive, racist, and unjust law. And Rosa Parks went to jail. That law should never have been on the books. Rosa Parks should never have gone to jail. And yet the government enforced it anyway.
0: And so, oh,
1: Stan's oh, I, got well, a I'm, I'm, look on his
0: face. I mean, yeah. So obviously, yes, 100%. When it comes to the truckers, so if we're talking about the law being the vaccine mandate, right? I guess we should it, have let, Did we lead with that? Did we explain why they're protesting? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. These truckers are here because the Canadian government said all truckers must be vaccinated. Pure and simple, even though the profession of trucking is 90% in isolated inside a you no know, cabin. But, you know, who knows? Um, but to use the Rosa Parks example, what a more appropriate form of protest is that the truckers don't get vaccinated and they keep driving anyway. I, I mean, that could be another.
1: I don't I'm not going to like I. I don't I have a hard time weighing in and saying like this is a maybe an appropriate form or that's an appropriate form. I think the key is peaceable protest. Okay. Right. So Rosa Parks was peaceably protesting. She didn't she didn't try, it's not like somebody walked up and told her to get out of the seat and she just knocked him out cold. Right. Like an innocent bystander or an innocent bystander. (laughs) I can just
0: imagine that. Just her purse full of like bricks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe she had a mean left hook. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? So that's the thing. Right. And the whole point of protest is is protests are inconvenient. They make people uncomfortable because that inspires change. Right. The peaceable George Floyd protests made people uncomfortable and was a legitimate exercise of peoples in the United States, First Amendment protected rights, but just their ability to protest and seek redress of their government, right? And so it's it's not a, I wouldn't necessarily say like, yes, this is the right form or this is the wrong form. What I would draw that line in right or wrong is violence. And that's when you start, or, or actual like destruction or
0: occupation of private property. That's when you start getting into problems. But even though this this hurts, and then maybe not like violently or a destroying property, even though this hurts others, you know, bystanders, those who those need to use the roads, even though this hurts them. Or would you say this hurts them? Is it, or does this simply inconvenience them? And so
1: that, I don't know. So not being on the ground, us not being in Ottawa, it's really hard for us to comment on that. And I think people should be careful on that because it's really easy to see cell phone videos and stories and stuff and assume mm-hmm. one side of the story. And then, I mean, we all know that like, you see these all these on media, right? All these different biases in media where you see right. one side of the story, another side of the story. I'm sure like in all the liberal media, right? You're seeing pictures of like a Canadian flag that's got swastikas painted on it because apparently that was at, somebody was waving one of those at the protest. Right, you always and then, have some bad eggs. Yeah, and then on the conservative side, you're seeing people cleaning up the war memorial and, and taking care of it. Um, and so I don't know what it looks like on the ground. It's really hard to know I don't know if they're legitimately stopping people from being able to like get to their private property. In, in...
0: I mean, if, if the ambassador bridge is clogged, you cannot conduct commerce and travel, period.
1: Yeah, you can. There's another bridge like five blocks down. <laughs> oh, you mean the ambassador bridge? Sorry, the international bridge.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah. Ta- I'm talking about the bridge across the border.
1: Uh, yeah. So you can.
0: My neighbors are home. Oh, no. Hello, neighbors.
1: um there are other bridges right you're not stuck completely there it's not locking down every single bridge into or out of canada there's also plenty of land borders in and out of it's inconvenient for a lot Mm -hmm. of people but is that really stopping um and so that ambassador bridge is the one that crosses between detroit and windsor and so there are other ways to get into the united states there are other ways to get into canada um, and so I don't, I don't know, Does I don't know if that rises to the level of preventing free movement. And but it do does have, prevent free movement.
0: Is that, is that like an Ill, does it, illicit form of protest? Does it prevent free movement? Do you have the, do you
1: have the right to use the ambassador bridge?
0: I, 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 I would I, I have to, to say yes. In the hot seat now. I, I can't imagine any other answer than yes because if it is government property which it is if it's government property then being a citizen of that government i have full rights and privileges of using that bridge just as any other citizen would right i mean that how how would you say no right if you say so the only way that you get me to say No, I don't have a right. Is if we commit full heartedly that roads are the exclusive property of the government and that we are merely privileged to use their property. That's the only way I I can say no. If we're not saying that that the roads are in fact communal property, not just government property, then we're different. So God damn roads! (laughs) The roads are government property, and we are merely privileged to use it. Then. You're right, no, I don't have a right to use it. If it is communal property in that it belongs to the public, then yes, I have a right to use it just as anyone else does. And those who impede on my right to use it are restricting my my free movement, my liberty to move about
1: okay i can I can give you that, I suppose. Okay. I think that there's a difference in this protest in the level of at the level of protest, right? Yeah. If they completely sealed off access to an area, like let's say Chas Chop, right? You can't get onto Sixth Street anymore. Mm-hmm. There's, there couldn't be a problem there, right? You, you are no longer able to access your private property. You might not be able to get to what you need to. That's a problem, especially if it's your house or even if it's your store, right? That's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. If they make it inconvenient for you to get there, is that, do you think that's still a problem?
0: No, because um, if I wanted to say, walk into a store and someone's standing in my way, I don't have the right to shove them away um, because I don't have the right to you know, to to impede, to touch their, their body without their permission. Um, in the same way, if they're in this street and it's blocking that way and I have to go around another street, that's fine, right? It's inconvenient, but it's fine. It's not... It's not uh, impeding on my free movement. It's just making it really annoying to get to where I want. That's fine. but Yeah, man.
1: So what if you could cross the border at
0: Niagara Falls instead of at Windsor, Detroit? I feel like now we're in a problem in which this is now costing me money. Like if, I, if, I'm a, if, I'm a, if I'm a business that's doing uh, commerce across that bridge, and i had and and going to niagara would be you know another 100 dollars an hour in costs yeah i feel like that's, that's 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 just inconvenient that's that's a violation of of my ability to do what i need to do for myself that's impeding my livelihood
1: isn't using the bridge what aren't you requiring performance of other individuals for you being able to use that bridge?
0: As in like maintaining the bridge, building it, maintaining it. Right. And this, and this is the problem with, with government ownership, right? The problem with public roads. I, I get you. If it was private, then I'd pay for it. And if I pay for it, then I demand that it be cleared. Right. And so, it's, but, but at the end of the day, there's always a, there's some sort of contractual obligation. In this instance, the contractual obligation is I'm paying taxes for this damn thing. I expect to be able to use it.
1: And I think that's fair. I'm actually gonna throw another uh, a wrinkle in this or maybe it'll make it easier for us. Okay. Um, I happen to know that the Ambassador Bridge is one of the few privately owned international bridges.
0: No kidding. Yes. Maybe it's a
1: few, but it is a privately owned international bridge.
0: So, what's stopping the private ambassador owners from just kicking them off their property? Nothing, right? So nothing. So so they're so they're content. They're happy that they're there.
1: Well, I'm sure that I don't know, right? I don't know if they're like contented to supporting the protest or if it's the same thing where like the federal government in Canada tried to move the truckers and they didn't budge. I don't know if maybe the ambassador bridge owners. Consortium, the company, contacted truck, uh, tow truck drivers and was like, hey, I need you guys to move these people off. But this is where you get into this idea. Like, so that's probably, it's probably not okay to occupy private
0: property, right? That bridge is yeah. privately owned. But we, we, we were arguing from this idea that it's public. Yeah. And I think that that's the real interesting aspect here. Yeah, um, and I think
1: that's where you get into, right? Like you've, if you've gridlocked, Six blocks of downtown, right? People can still come and go. There's still sidewalks. You can get in and out.
0: Yeah, but I can't transport heavy equipment to and from now. Yeah, and that it's that like, isn't that 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 is a valid in, impediment, right? Or not valid? That's a real impediment. Yeah, that's just an is. inconvenience. I can't I can't get out of my garage now, or I can't haul my equipment away to another place. True.
1: Yeah, you can't. I mean, if you've got, let's say you run a restaurant down there, I don't know if you can get a truck in and out to Mm -hmm. get food in and out, supplies in and out. So who knows? And some of those, you know, you're basing your entering into contracts and all those areas on access to your ability to access those, those areas. So it's really hard to say without knowing what it actually looks like down there, whether you can like, whether it is a true pure gridlock into and out of public public or sorry, private spaces, um, I, I, If it's a pure gridlock in and out of public spaces, mm-hmm. is that different, right? Like in and out of the parliamentary buildings? Like,
0: What about the restaurant that's across the street from Parliament? We used to
1: go, there's a great, great pub that was like right around the corner from Parliament that I used to go to a lot. Those guys are screwed now. <laughs> well, I, they probably have a lot of business, but... <laughs> From- Hopefully they're able to keep themselves stuck somehow, <laughs> and, and that's the thing I don't know. That's where it's really hard, and that's where it's hard to like have these have a specific comment on, you know, o- what is happening in Ottawa directly. Is because All right, so let's
0: so let let's yeah. let's let's wrap ourselves up here because we're getting closer to the end. Let's let's try let's create ourselves an abstract scenario, right? Because if we don't know the details in Ottawa, let's create details for ourselves in the city because this is what's going to help us get,
1: hypothetical
0: hypotheticals I, we love them because they help clarify principles right that's what we're here we're here to get to the heart of the matter if a form of protest coming if protest comes in the form of occupation literally making things immobile if it's on private property i think we're both agreed that's a no go Okay, If it damages private property, that's a no-go, right? Yeah, we're both in agreement. But if it's on public property, maybe even damaging it, But let's just say it's on public property, not damaging it. And it impedes upon the free movement of private property. How about that?
1: I think if it's on public property
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it stops, movement to private property you you probably have a problem there to and from private property probably have a problem uh yeah to and from private property right if if they have if people have completely prevented access to private property that would otherwise be accessible then that's probably an issue that's an issue
0: and and we and we want to be clear if it stops bars prohibits to movement to and from private property not makes it inconvenient, not makes it you know uh, difficult but yeah. makes it impossible It's impossible to get to this place now.
1: Let's think of like a really easy example, right so let's say you live in you you live in an apartment complex mm-hmm. and a protest has erected. Solid barriers on public property, solely on public property, completely surrounding your apartment complex so that nobody can get in or out. Right? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so you can, you could, like, you have just as much right to a store as you do to your house. You have just as much right to conduct your business as you do to sleep at night. So you can draw all these parallels, right? All these principles that we'd focus on. That complete prohibition on access to your individual property. That's where, all right you as a private individual can now start taking issue with this.
0: Yeah. And this is, and this is, you know, this is how about, I just, I just want so for everyone, I think, I think we've made it clear if you are on public property and you are damaging, not damaging, you are re- completely stopping moving to imp- from private property. We here at least that self haven't forgotten. We probably would not support that. Tactic, that method. Okay. Um and we would we would you no know, support you no know, government action to open up movement to and from. Well. Oh.
1: Ordinarily, in a perfect world. Government monopolization of force is kind of gross. And so sure, 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 sure. Okay.
0: Yeah, right, I, so as long right, as you just right. establish. So 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 we we would support people tearing down your barriers. You
1: don't have a right to completely prohibit somebody from accessing their own property.
0: What if I was on my private property and I was somehow mm-hmm. able to restrict someone else's private property completely? Yeah. You so yeah. You have that right. Let me, let me just. I just want to make sure I get that clear. If I'm on my private property and I build structures on my private property that completely stop access to your private property, coincidentally, is that okay or not okay? That's okay. All right. Now you got to explain this to me. So
1: I don't have a right to say what you get to do on or off your property. Right. And so if I have purchased property that is completely surrounded by somebody else's property, I better have some form
0: of agreement in place with you in order to access my property. So does the does the person whose property is completely surrounded in this scenario, do they have a right to easement? Or well, do they have to negotiate easement?
1: Yes, you have to negotiate easement. You don't have a right to tell somebody what they have to do on their property.
0: So what makes it different on public property? It's not yours. You don't it's owe that. It's, it's the whole communities. They they are. You don't have exclusive
1: ownership to do what you want on what we call public property. There are problems with having this public property. Mm -hmm. You don't have the exclusive right to do anything on that property.
0: Who gets to determine the exclusive right?
1: The minority. It's always the minority. You never put it in the majority who has the right. And so if you had a hundred percent vote Mm -hmm. in order to completely wall off my property, including me voting for it, because now mm-hmm. you have my consent, really? <laughs> sure, you can do it with my consent. If you have 100% minus one, then no. You do not have that right. That is that is the whole point of having the system, right? Is you cannot, I don't care how big your majority is, your majority doesn't get to infringe on me and my my actual rights. But as
0: a, on private property, we could. Correct. I feel like that's, there's something sticky about that. There's that's, something
1: sticky about the last part. What if I bought a piece of land knowing that I had to, let's say I'm like, oh, it's only $10. So I'm going to buy this piece of land because it's only accessible by helicopter because it's completely surrounded by private land. Okay. I mean, now I, for whatever reason, I no longer have a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Let's say I just, Whatever it broke, I lost. I don't have the money to. Do. Now, can I force them to let me cross their private property to access mine?
0: What What about and everyone here? I I I very much applaud you for intolerating Sticking my hypotheticals. <laughs> this is this is this is a weird one. I'm just th- I'm just moving the goalposts more and more for Cody. Um, so let's take this libertarian dream here okay that the government is deciding to sell off public roads my mm-hmm. property has historically been adjacent to the public road uh, but your property creates this kind of horseshoe around mine so yours also touches the public road okay the government sells this road off and you being the biggest bidder buy that road. And so now I have no public access to my road. And now I have to negotiate an easement with you that I have never had to do before. And I might even have to buy the easement off of you. What about then? So
1: this is a little bit different because you, in law, we call this um, reliance, or in this instance, we would call it detrimental reliance. So you purchased that property relying on the idea that you had a legitimate form of access to that property and so you have a right to assert that reliance interest. That's a real reliance interest of I bought my house, thinking or knowing that I had unfettered access to my house. You have now removed my unfettered access, um, and so that's a, a reliance interest that you should be able to fight for and and enforce in that instance. And this is the okay. problem where you get into like really selling off. If you get to the the minutia of selling off like neighborhood streets, you've got to really make sure the easement process is taken care of carefully. This is yeah, this is where you're going to start getting into that problem of maintaining those rights that people have at that point, or the the maybe not maybe not rights, but the
0: okay legitimate no, no, that,
1: interests that they have.
0: That's fair. I. I feel I have tortured you enough. I feel I have taken up Christie's mantle of of traditional values here. <laughs> I feel like I I have tortured our poor audience enough with these hypotheticals. So I'm, let's 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 wrap this up here. All right. Can I give my parting thoughts on the? Do you oh. give your parting thoughts, and then we want to distill it to the core principles. I want yeah. to hear your parting thoughts because your parting thoughts matter very much. So- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very kind of you. So I just because we we started in really narrow on the Canadian protest and kind of zoomed out a ton and got into abstraction land. So here's the thing, right? So there, these protests are certainly inconveniencing people. They might even be violating people's you know reliance interests. Um, they are protesting for for essentially bodily autonomy, right? This idea that they can't free move without being forced into taking a vaccine and it's not a private company that's trying to step on this it's not their employers that are saying you have to it's the federal government is saying in order to cross the bridge as a trucker enter and leave the country that you have citizenship you have to have a a vaccine and so that's where you start getting into this real problem and are some of these you know, are the truckers violating the law? Yes, they are. They are violating the law. And is the federal government going to bring down the heavy hand of government on them? They already are, right? The Ottawa police chief resigned. I've seen videos in in recent days, I'm sure everybody has, of, you know, mounted police moving in on the protests of people starting to get arrested. I mean, Ottawa, like, they're threatening to take people's pets away if they get arrested and can't adri- like deal with the pet. If they can't arrange for some safe place for the pet after seven days, they're just going to take their pets if they're living in the trucks with them for in the name of animal safety. These are, I mean, these are huge issues that are, are, the truckers are, are fighting. I mean, they are fighting an authoritarian government, which in response to their protest got more authoritarian. They didn't, there was no self-reflection on the part of the Canadian government here. The answer to they won't abide is we'll make them abide. And that's the problem. That is where you get into these issues. And so, you know, they might be violating other people's rights and they're, some of them are going to get arrested. Some of them are going to get thrown in jail and some of them are going to lose their property. And it has brought a whole hell of a lot of attention to this issue and what's going on in Canada. And so... That is, at its core, what public protest, what effective public protest does, is draw attention, and hopefully in this instance too, just like in instances across United States history, inspires change. And, and so that's, I think, is the real kind of key, even when we're debating the nuances here, even when we're looking at how property involved and looking at public versus private property, that's kind of that, that core point that I think people should really, really think about when talking about this
0: i couldn't have said it better wonderful your final <laughs> thoughts are not only valuable but they are indispensable so Hold you on, sound more
1: genuine when you call them valuable now before it didn't it didn't feel it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's because i hadn't heard you had to say it yet <laughs> all right y'all i could have said it better protests on public property uh, on, on public property good protests on private property bad that's the basic line because private property is a natural fundamental right all right cody any uh last fun things before we go
1: no sir i think that sums it up we managed to we we stayed a little lighthearted this time we didn't get too. we
0: laughed we cried we smiled we we shared memories and voyages (laughs) all right y'all we are going to wrap it up now uh we will see you soon for our in the news for february 22 so look out for that uh, probably in the following week um but with that oh you know wait we have to do our social meetings you can find us on facebook twitter instagram you can listen to us on apple and on spotify and you can see all the wonderful things to do with our uh, podcast website and so now with that ladies and gentlemen we will see you next time